Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Verse 54, so this body that ruins will clothe itself with that which never ruins. And this body that dies, someone say dies, will clothe itself with that which never dies. Somebody say never dies. And when this happens, then this scripture will be made true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And here is verse 55. If you've never been in church before or have ever read the Bible before, chances are you've heard this verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Where, O death, is your victory? And where, O death, is your sting? Come on, somebody. We're going to begin a series today entitled Death Defying. Death Defying. I told you it's going to be heavy because for the next four weeks, we're going to be speaking on a topic we don't hear about often. We're going to be speaking about death. Now, why speak about death? Because I try really hard as a pastor when I prepare sermons and sermon series to speak on things that I know you're wrestling with or going through. You know, that's why we did a sermon series on relationships because you guys have relationship issues, okay? So do I, and we work on them together. This is why in a few months we'll speak on finances because we all got money issues and we want to work on that and we want to get better in that area. And I think, and, and, and I get these, by the way, I get these topics from a lot of different places. A lot of times I pray and I ask the Lord for insight and wisdom on what to preach, and he'd be telling me what you do in the dark, okay? So that's what I bring on. I'm just kidding. I don't feel like that. Sometimes prayer helps. It gives me some kind of orientation. Other times, small group really helps. When I get in a small group and I hear the conversations that are happening, I go, okay, this is what people are really talking about today. But I don't want you to sleep on, on this because I also do a lot of research. Like I'm not just a pastor, I'm an academic, so I study. I look at all the Harvard reviews, the Yale reviews, the Oxford reviews. I look up the, the statistics, the surveys. And a lot of times I'll get sermons based on just what science has proven and all these things. So I know this is going to be crazy, but I just came across this, like, for even to believe. I didn't believe in myself when I saw this study. This review, like, blew my mind. And I just, I just copy and pasted it, and I had to share it with you because I'm like, of course, like, this is what the latest studies show. Go ahead and put it on the screen. The latest studies reveal that I sign up that 100% of us will die someday. I mean, it's crazy. I didn't even really recognize it or realize until I saw it. Harvard. So, so does that. 100% of I can't think of anything, hear me, more universal than death. If you, if you rich, you're going to die. If you poor, you're going to die. If you black, you're going to die. If you white, you're going to die. If you don't exercise and diet, you're going to die. But if you do exercise and diet, you're still going to die. Just not as soon as those that don't exercise. <laughs> but we all dying. We all dying. I think we know, right, that as we get older, we're going to die. But do we also forget that death is not reserved for the old, that sometimes the young die as well? Like, it's sobering to sit on that reality. 
aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> it's it's going to be heavy. I know maybe you wish you didn't come. Maybe that's why I've been in church my whole life. And I've never heard a pastor preach a message on death. Never mind a series on death. Because nobody wants to talk about it because nobody likes to think about it. We want to put death on a shelf. And we'll deal with it when it comes. But the only problem with that is, and I get that, because technically death doesn't affect your life until it ends your life. But it's important to talk about it now. And this is really the foundation of the entire message series that we're going to be in. It's so important to talk about death now. Why? Because the way you see death affects the way you live life. Put it on the screen. The way you see death affects the way you live life. No, not that one. The other one. There you go. It's so true. Whether or not you think something comes after this depends on... Like I read, I read Alice in Wonderland and there was a, a point in the story where Alice is stuck. She's in the forest and there's a fork in the road and she doesn't know which way to go. She meets the Cheshire cat. It's the purple cat. And the cat begins to speak to Alice and, and she says to the cat, hey, can you tell me which way to go? And the cat looks back at Alice and says, well, it depends. Where do you want to go? And then Alice says, it doesn't really matter where I go. And then the cat responds, then it doesn't matter which way you turn. Which... If there's nowhere to go after this life, if at the end of this life there's a coffin, if at the end of this life there's a grave, if at the end of this life there's a crematorium, there's a spreading of the ashes, and that's it. If at the end of this life we go nowhere, then y'all, it doesn't matter what turns we take while we're here, does it? But if at the end of this life we go somewhere, if the end of this life is not a, a, a casket, if at the end of this life is not a grave, if at the end of this life there's a place where we go, then it matters, it matters very much what turns we take while we are alive. This is where science and faith diverge. Science at its very best, all it can do is delay death. At its very best. And it's good at that. It gives you medicines and it gives you, and I'm grateful for all the doctors at Journey Church today. Thank you for saving lives. We appreciate you. The reason why doctors are able to do that is because they understand how death works. This is how science works and this is where science is limited to. Listen, science defines death. But here's why faith is important. Because although science defines death, write this down, faith defies death. Faith defies death. The word defy, you need to let this sink into your heart real quick. The word defy, it means this, and we'll just replace it with death. Defy, to openly challenge the authority or power of death. To not conform to death or follow the pattern of death set before you. To renounce death. To dissolve all bonds and obligation with death. To renounce death. To reject death death. And I like the last one, to refuse to obey death. Wow. Can you imagine that? Science says life ends when a pulse is absent. Faith says death ends because a tomb was empty. It does not, it is not over when I'm over. It continues. It goes on, which is why we're going to really be preaching about death for three weeks. But four weeks from now is Easter. And so we're going to preach about death for three weeks, but on the fourth week, we're not speaking about death. We're speaking about where death ends on resurrection. Yeah. Hey, so this is a great sermon series to invite a friend to. Maybe not the first three. First three, I promise it won't be depressing. But it's going to be hard to hear. But that fourth one, resurrection, bring them on Easter. 
It's going to be good. I promise it won't be depressing, it won't, but it will be heavy. We're going to learn. We're going to walk through some things. In my mind, if we walk through this now, you won't have to worry about it later. Are you with me? And so here's where the first message from this series comes from, the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 14 through 15. By embracing death, taking it into himself, he, Jesus, destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life, I love this last sentence, scared to death of death. The title of today's message in this series, Death Defying, is Scared to Death scared to death. I want to speak on an issue that I I hope would help somebody. I want to speak about the fear of death. The fear of death. I wonder if this message would help anyone today or if it's just me. Um, I got to be honest. I've had this message in my heart for about two and a half years, starting in 2020, when in the last two and a half years as a pastor, I saw more people die and pass away in the last two and a half years than I did in the last 22 years of my life, um, being in ministry. I it wasn't just COVID. It was car accidents. It was cancer. It was miscarriages. I saw 72-year-olds die. I saw 27-year-olds die. I saw 17-year-olds die. I saw seven-year-olds die. And when you get that close, like, I don't know what you did for a living during those times, but being a pastor in those times, having to be the one to give the eulogy, having to be the one to preach faith, having to be the one to remind people about heaven, it got really overwhelming and it got really heavy on me, so much so that I actually had to start seeing a therapist, started talking to pastors. This fear of death began to consume me. And before you just let the fact that I just said that go over your heads, let me tell you, it takes a lot of courage for me as a pastor to confess that to you. Hold on. Because for a pastor to confess to you that he wrestled with the fear of death, that's like a pilot saying that they're afraid of flying. If you don't think this thing works, (laughs) I don't think I want to get on. (laughs) I don't think I want to get on. But um, I spent the last two and a half years working through it, reading my Bible, praying, and I'm like 97.8% past it, which somebody asked me in our preaching class that we gave on Monday and our students, they said, how much past an issue do you have to be to preach it? I said, 96. Amen. 96. So 97.8, I'm good. We're going to go through it. Hard to admit, but you know what? Sometimes you have to go through things to help others get through them. Yeah. So I'm going to take you through the journey that I went through these last couple of years. And hopefully what I've learned will help you. Does anybody need a message like this today? Are y'all just thinking I'll live forever? Y'all immortal? Maybe? I don't know. I hope it helps. If not, maybe it'll help somebody you know. Maybe that person sitting next to you. Because it's definitely not you. So here are three thoughts. Here are three thoughts that I think are going to change the way you see death forever. And they change the way I see it. Um, By the way, we're going to attack this with a new frame of thinking, not a framing of doing. Because there's nothing you can do to overcome it but the mindset can set you free from it. Number one, if you're taking notes, there are, you have to tell yourself, there are fates worse than death. There are fates worse than death. I know you're scared of death, but when you realize that there's something scarier than death, death doesn't seem as scary anymore. Hebrews chapter two, verse 15, here's what's scarier than death. Are you ready? All who cower through life, scared to death of death. So here's what's scarier than dying, not living. Not going through life the way you're supposed to because the fear of death has you paralyzed and crippled. So a study was published recently. I mean, I've been doing a lot of studies for this sermon, but a study was published recently that showed that at the root of the majority of phobias and fears is actually the fear of death. And it makes perfect sense. For example, if you're a germaphobe, you're not really afraid of germs. You're afraid of one of those germs making you sick 
and dying. If you say you're afraid of snakes, you're not afraid of snakes. You're afraid of getting bitten and dying. If you say you're afraid of flying, raise your hand if you say, I'm afraid of flying. Yeah, you're not really afraid of flying. You're afraid of crashing. (laughs) And dying. (laughs) At At the root is... Is that fear, which is crazy to me because the same people who say they're afraid of flying have no problem driving. But statistically, driving is less safe than flying. You have a better chance of dying while you drive than you do flying. I'm messing somebody up right now. They're not going to ever get to a car ever again. But you won't fly. Why? Because fear is irrational. And the crazy thing is, listen to me, because of your fear of flying, there's places you'll never go. You can't drive to Hawaii, and it's beautiful. You should. You can't drive to Europe. You can't drive to Australia, and it's beautiful. There's places you'll never go. There's food you'll never eat. There's beautiful people you'll never meet, all because of your fear. I have learned in life that sometimes the fear of something will cost more than the thing itself. And so many people, listen, I'll put it like this. Don't miss life trying to avoid death. Don't miss living. Trying to avoid death. Because worse than dying is never really living because you were so afraid of what could happen. Are you ready for this? There is no safety in safety. There's nothing you can do to keep you safe that really keeps you safe. I don't care how much vitamins you take. Vitamin A, vitamin B, C, D. You could eat the whole alphabet. I don't care how much, ladies, I'm sorry, I don't care how much collagen you ingest. Your skin is coming down (laughs) at some point. There's nothing you can do. I don't care how big your mask is. I don't care if you go to the store in a Halloween mask, okay? R95 mask, MOP mask, OPP mask, GOD mask, I don't care. What, how thick your bulletproof vest is. It's not thick enough to keep out death. That is already fixed and determined. So let's shift the question. Instead of asking yourself, how will I die? And when will I die? What if we start asking, how will I live? And when will I start living? And when will I really start living? When will I really start? I watched Braveheart. It's my favorite movie in case you wonder. It was a long movie before long movies were a thing. It was long. And... uh, It's also rated R. There's some scenes. Don't watch it, but it's good. There was a scene in the movie where Braveheart William Wallace is about to die. He's on trial for something that he believed in. And the princess comes to the prison and says, if you just recant your beliefs, you'll survive. All you got to do is tell the king that you don't believe what you said you believed. He said, but I gave my whole life for that. I can't do that. And then he said these words. And I actually had these words painted on my office. If you remember my office back at the church, it said this. And it was his phrase. She said, you can die. And then he answered this. He said, every man dies few ever really live I thought what a thought but as as good as it was when William Wallace said it I like Jim Elliott's version better now you might not know who Jim Elliott is but Jim Elliott is a missionary was a missionary to the country of Ecuador 
he preached the gospel, preached Jesus to native people who had no idea who Jesus was. And, and the entire people there now have relationships with God. But in the beginning, it was tough. And he actually went and he was killed. He was actually speared to death while he was preaching about God's love. And he actually had a gun on him. And his, it, the, on, the onlooker said he, he, he thought about defending himself. But the missionaries were trained to never use a gun on someone who had not heard the gospel of Jesus yet. Which I guess it's okay to shoot Christians, but <laughs> he going to heaven. It'd be all right. <laughs> It'd be all right. But they don't, they don't know yet, so simmer down. Simmer down, you know. Stop laughing. It's serious. So he passes away, right? But days after he dies, they find his journal in the tent that he was sleeping in. They pull out the journal. They look at the date. Days before he passed away, Jim Elliot, he wrote, this, he wrote down his prayer. And look at the prayer that he wrote before he passed away. He didn't know he was going to die. I put it on the screen for you. He said, Father God, I pray not for a long life, but a full one. Like you, Lord Jesus. You know what never occurred to me before? Jesus died at 33. Let's be honest in here. Raise your hand if you've lived longer than Jesus. I know you're telling your age, but raise your hand if you've lived longer than Jesus. Of course you have. Billions of people have lived longer than Jesus. But you ready for this? Now one has lived better. And now one has lived fuller. And now one has accomplished more in 33 years. So maybe we ought to stop compulsing. Is that a word? Let's pretend that it is. Over the length of our life and start obsessing over the quality of it and the weight of it. And what are we going to do? How are we going to spend it? Because John 10, 10 says, I have come so you may have life and live it to the full. This is your life, y'all. That's it. This glass jar. And everything inside this jar, this is your time. These are the marbles. Some of y'all be losing your marbles, you know. Life be taking your marbles away. And there are things in life that you can't control that you lose your marbles to. <laughs> like work, for example. I did a recent study. And in this recent study... It showed if you were to take up all the hours that you spend at work, like working, and add them and put them in years, by the time you die, you will have spent, are you ready for this? 26 hours working, 26 years of your life working. 26 years. That's the overtime. 26 years working. Sleep. Got to sleep. If you were to take all the hours that you spent sleeping in your lifetime and add them up in years, you will spend 13 years of your life. That's when you hit the snooze button. Should have done it. You lost another two years and that snooze button right there. <laughs> Eating. If you to take all the hours of your life and add them up that you spent eating, that's not even, just chewing. <laughs> you will spend four and a half years of your life just doing this. Are you ready for this one? Netflix. Y'all don't want to know. Recent study show. 
If you were to take, now we have to expand it because the study wasn't done on Netflix, it was done on screen time. So Netflix, Hulu, TikTok, Insta, Facebook, TV, movies. If you were to take all the hours you spent looking at a screen and add it up, you will, you will spend 11 years of your life watching a screen, y'all. Now here, I'm not even knocking all those things. We need to eat. We need to sleep. We need to work. And every once in a while, we need to disconnect too. Okay? So we need all those things. Here's my only problem with this. You, got, you spent all this, and up until this point, you're not even living yet. You're just surviving. Like you just, up until this point, all you've been doing is surviving. So really, here's the, here's the takeaway. You only got this left to live. How will you live it? Most people will live it two ways, and unfortunately it's a waste. They'll either spend it being safe, because they're afraid, or they'll spend it on themselves. They'll either spend it in safety or in selfishness, living only to please them, to feed them, for them to succeed, not thinking about anyone else. And when they die, they have nothing left to show for it. Nothing. Nothing. Empty life, empty death. Nothing. How will you and I live? The same way Jesus lived. Now, I don't think that Jesus had screen time, but he did only have 33 years. So he went in with that, right? How did he live his life? First two commandments, first greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you really want to make the most of it, hear me, spend your life loving God and loving people, living for God, and living for people. So let me give you an example of like, what that looks like. This is all I got left. So if this is all I got left, hey, I'm going to have to invest it in somebody. I'm going to have to save it. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give some of my marbles to my wife in my life, who I love. So here are some of my marbles, babe. Here, this is for when we go on vacation. Amen. We're going to spend some time on vacation. We're going to spend some time coming to church. Amen. We're going to spend some time going to date night. Man, we're going to spend some time doing some other things. You know what I'm saying? And and I'm going to invest, and we're going to spend that time together. And because of those other things, now we got kids. And so now, you know what? I love my kids. And here's what I'm going to spend my life doing. I'm going to spend my life, I'm going to invest in my kids. I'm going to read the Bible to them. I'm going to take them to church. We're going to go out and have daddy days. And I'm going to take them to the baseball game. They don't really play baseball. So we're going to talk about Pokemon, and we're going to play Switch, and we're going to play Smash Brothers together. And now I got some more time left. I got some more time left. So I'm going to invest it in people that I believe in. So I'm going to give some to Eddie and Alyssa. I'm going to invest in them because I believe in them and their ministry. I'm going to give some to Jay because he'd be holding quality control down when Ernesto's too tired. And then I'm going to give some to my boy James and Evie, our youth directors. Amen. Because they, they pour their life. And I know that if I invest in them, they're going to invest in the next generation. So we got Journey Youth here. I want to invest in the next generation, give some to them, invest in you guys. And really, as I'm investing in the next generation, here's what I'm really doing. And as I'm investing in the people that I love, what I'm really doing, sorry about all the sound effects. What I'm really doing is I'm, I'm giving it all back to the one who gave it to me. Because the framework for every investment is the idea that when God gives me a gift, my time, I give God my time back. So what I'm really doing, and this is called an altar. So what I'm really doing is laying my life 
at his feet. So every time you hold the door for somebody, every time you serve in Journey Kids, every time you set up the tithe, every time you sing a song, every time you lift your hands in worship, every time you preach or you teach, you're giving it back to God and you're giving it back to his kingdom. And here's the most, here's the most beautiful thing, thing about it. Now when I die, you go, oh man, but you're just like this person. Uh-uh. Because when I die, if I gave you a marble, lift it up. When I die, it's messing up the ministry moment. If I gave you a marble, lift it up. I'll get you in after church. Look at me. Now look at me. I might be empty, but when I die, I get to see the impact of my life. Because I didn't waste it. Because I gave it to others and I invested it and poured it out. I have something to look back on. If you want to die full, live empty. Give it out. Give it out. Give it out. And let me, let me encourage you. Some of y'all are not even going to see the fruit of your marbles until you get to heaven. There are things you're doing right now that you won't see until you get there. I was in the lobby. Somebody came up to me in the lobby. She was a girl. She was crying. It was after the first service. She said, Pastor, I got to talk to you. I said, well, was the message, did the message touch you? She said, no. I was like, oh. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. What do you want to talk about? She was crying though. So I'm like, man, something happened, you know? She said, I was walking down the stairs and she goes, I'm an influencer. I got a lot of followers and whatever. And some, some, some young woman stopped me. She goes, do you know me? She goes, no, I don't, I don't know you. She goes, I'm Lady B33. She said, okay. She goes, you understand, I love this church. I love this church so much. My kids go here. I serve on a team. I'm a member of the church now. I found my purpose. I came back to life in this building. I'm here. She's like, why are you telling me? She's like, because you posted about it. And the only reason I'm here living in my purpose is because you posted about this church. I moved from Jersey. And when I moved here, I didn't have a place to call home. And because of your post, I saw it. Now, now that lady who was in tears, she's lucky because she got to see that marble here. I'm just telling you, there are things that you're investing your life in now that you think are a waste. People you think are a waste. Conversations you think are a waste. Prayers you think were a waste. Serving in church, holding the door, watching the kid, singing a song you think was a waste. Giving money to missionaries to preach the gospel you think is a waste. But one day you'll get to heaven and people are going to come up to you with their marbles. And they're going to say, you didn't know. But when you did that and you sang that song and you wrote that lyric, it touched my heart. And that's the reason why I serve God today because of what you did and how you invested your life into me. The only thing we got to worry about, listen, you got to spend your life, spend it out making an impact. The only thing that the kind of this illustration falls apart, and that's why I love illustrations, but the truth is if you take any illustration to its extent, it, it, fails to, it falls apart. It doesn't work anymore. And I was torn about using this illustration because I thought this is a great illustration, but it fails in one big way. It's a see-through glass, which means you can see how many marbles you have left. But in life, but in life, no one knows how many marbles they have left. I'll tell you what we all think. You know, <laughs> there isn't a person in this room who is expecting to die tomorrow. We're like, I got at least 30 years. At least 45, I'm good think you're living forever cooking with all that adobo no you ain't no you ain't no you ain't 
blood pressure. Look it up. I told my son the other day, I said, I said, Bobby, put on your seatbelt. He said, no, nah, I don't want to. I said, why not? He said, dad, I've been, I've been driving in cars with you my whole life. He's 10. <laughs> been driving in cars with you my whole life, dad. I've never gotten into an accident one time and I'm not going to get into an accident, dad. I'm like, son, <laughs> people who get into accidents don't wake up knowing today is the day they're going to get into an accident. In the same way, nobody wakes up thinking today's the day they're going to die. Which makes death scary. Because death, I would have liked this, my second point, is often unexpected, but never random. Often unexpected, but never random. I'm a, I'm a parent of a kid. One of the scariest things is sending your kid off to school. Because you never know if they're going to make it back. Scary. You don't know. And, but unexpected and random are different. True statement, we could die at any moment. Here's another true statement. Are you ready? What feels like any moment to us is the moment to God. Wow. That's a paradigm shift. Because Christians, we're funny. If you're not a Christian, you'll laugh at us. We, we operate under this theological principle that we fail to work both ways. And the theological principle is that every Christian believes that we were born for a purpose on time. Every Christian believes that. Like, I believe that I was born, I asked my mom when I was born. She said, September 24th, 1986, I knew that. She said, 4.54 a.m. Then she met me in the lobby and she said, and your sister was born this day, she was born at 5.58 a.m. I'm like, why do you have all your babies in the a.m.? Um, I didn't say that, but. <laughs> in that moment, listen, I was born in 1986, September 24th. What happened? Okay. I was born September 24th, 1986. I'm like, did I get my birthday wrong? I'm pretty sure I got it. For this time in history, for this moment, like I, was not, I would not be good born in the 40s. I would not be good born in the 50s. 1800s, I'd have died. I'd have died right there. The Lord like, listen, I'm going to use him. <laughs> He's going to need homes. He's going to need, you know, democracy. He's going to need law enforcement. He's going to make it. The Lord knew me, knew how he made me and built me specifically for this moment in time in history. When he put me into this world, it was not an accident. I don't care what your mama said. <laughs> you are no mistake. And you are no accident. You were placed in this world. I mean, how do you think it works in heaven? There's not like a lottery going out there. You know the lottery with the balls and the thing that is spinning. It's like, oh, whose turn is it next? Let's go, let's go. And the lucky number is 48, 48. You ready to go to earth and tear it up? Let's go, 48. Come on. Yes, yeah, me. No. God made you, shaped you for this moment and this time in history. Here's the point. If we believe that we were brought in here at the right time and the right place, why do we not also believe that when he chooses to take us out, that it's at the right time and the right place. That if there was purpose in my birth and purpose in my life, that there is equally purpose in my death. It comforts me to know that, that the God who brought me in is the same God that takes me out, 
but it's not in nobody else's hands but God's. Job chapter 1 verse 21, when Job lost all of his family, he said, naked I came from the mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. In other words, the only reason I can lose life is because he gave it to me in the first place. And if there's anybody I want my life to be in the hands of, by the way, it's God's. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 4 through 7. Dear friends, don't be afraid of dying. Don't be afraid of dying. Why? Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't do any more to you after that. But I will tell you who to fear. Fear God who has the power to kill you and then throw you in hell. That sounds extreme. But you got to keep reading. He's going to bring it back. He's going to redeem it. Because it sounds like that's a mean thing to do. But then you get an exposure of God's heart. Yes, he's the one to fear. Look at this. This is really what he's getting to. But what is the price of five birds? Two pennies. Yet God does not forget a single one of them. In other words, I don't know how many birds there are in the world. <laughs> Say billions upon billions. Here's what God says. Yet one of those birds' hearts does not stop without me knowing or without my permission. <sighs> and if that's how I treat birds, look at verse seven. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered, numbered y'all. You know what that means, ladies? That means when you're in the shower and it looks like you got raptured. <laughs> right, Eddie? If you're married to a woman, you know. How did it get up there? I don't know. <laughs> you just be like, I lost the hair. And God's like, no, you didn't. You lost hair number 428. It's a, it's a joke, but it's real. He said, I got them numbered. He says, so, 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 so don't be afraid for you are more valuable to God than a whole bunch of birds. So, so what God is saying, he's saying, I hold your death in my hands, but I love you too much. Just let it, whatever. No, 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 no. I got a reason. I got a purpose. If you're not shouting amen yet, let me, let me tell you, it's because of this. Because when I'm telling you that your death is in God's hands, what I'm telling you is that it, it's not in a tyrant's hands, thousands of miles away in front of a red button. So you don't got to be afraid because the only one who holds your death in his hands is God. I said, your death is not in COVID's hands. Your death is not in cancer's hands. Your death is not in a surgeon's hands. Your death is not in the hands of a drunk driver or a crazy man with a gun or a bullet. You don't go unless God says so. Your death is not in the hands of the devil or the world or a serial killer or a crazy person. Your death, just like your life, is in the hands of God. You better act like you know that and walk into this world with that kind of confidence. My death is in his hands. He's got it. You can't touch me. Which is my second point to that aspect. Listen, if that means that my death has a purpose, that also means that my life does, which means that I cannot experience my death until my life has fulfilled this purpose. If that's just Bible, that's just Bible. I told, I told, uh, my dad this one time, because I was younger, and I, and I had this vision one time. I was a kid, and I was at a service, and I was praying, and I had a supernatural vision. If that scares you, I'm sorry. You're at church. Get over it. It was a <laughs> supernatural vision. Like, you're here. You expected it to get weird at some point. So I had this vision, and I saw me, and I was preaching to thousands of people in this vision, standing up, preaching my heart out to thousands of people. And then while I said that, this, this lady came over. She put her hand on my shoulder, and she says, God says you're going to be speaking to thousands of people preaching the gospel. While I was seeing it in my heart's eye, I thought, that's so crazy. Confirmation. I left there so encouraged. 
<clears throat> I got in the car with my dad. <clears throat> we went drive home. I think it was like a lock-in or something. And uh, he said, son, put your seatbelt on. This seatbelt is a generational thing. <laughs> he said, son, put your seatbelt on. I said, no. He said, put your seatbelt on. I said, no. He said, why not? I said, dad, I got a prophetic word. So dad, I don't need my seatbelt because God told me I'm not going to die until I preach to thousands of people. So dad, your boy's, your boy's immortal. <laughs> immortal. Now listen, I was wrong and right. I was wrong in this sense. I don't want to get into all the theology of it, but I was wrong in this sense. Destiny is a partnership. So God will do what he does as long as you do what you do. It's not an excuse to go all ham with your life. So destiny is a partnership. But you know what I was right about? Until God fulfilled his plan for my life, I wasn't going nowhere. Because God is not a liar that he should change his mind. So fast forward, I'm 23 now. I just became the district youth director of our district here, which is we're part of a family of churches. Long story short, I oversaw the youth ministries for 400 youth groups. And we had one big event and it was the biggest time we've ever had it. I was preaching a message called, Can You See It? And I look out and there's 3,000 people, almost 3,000 people in the audience. I never preached to a crowd that large before. I get up, I'm preaching the message, Can You See It? And as I'm preaching the words, Can You See It? I get taken back to when I was a kid. And I see it and it's the vision. And I'm starting to cry in the beginning of my sermon and I just got off script and I told everybody about the dream and the vision and we used that to encourage them to write dreams and visions. You do it because I'm living it right now. It was amazing what God said happened and the moment that sermon finished, two thoughts hit my mind. The first was, won't he do it? <laughs> Let's go, Jesus. You said that you would and you did. Everything the Lord says shall come to bed. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then on the heels of that thought <laughs> came... I can die. I can die now. That's when I started working out. That's when I started taking my vitamins. That's when I started putting on my seatbelt. That's when I started. Going, oh my gosh, I can die now. Here, because I thought that the culmination of my purpose was that platform. But what I failed to realize was that if I was still breathing, God still had purpose. I'm talking to anybody who feels like their best days are behind them. And they look back and they go, that was my life. There's no point in living now. That was the hybrid. That when I was on that stage and I was reaching all those people. Are you kidding me? That was a part of your purpose. But if you got a pulse, you got a purpose. If you're still breathing, God's still blessing. If you're still walking, God's still watching. You got things in your life ready for you to do. And I want to encourage you right now. You are not done when you die. You die when God's done. Until you fulfill, you might die with unfulfilled dreams, but you'll never die with unfulfilled purpose. You won't go until he's done with every single thing that he wants to do for your life. My grandma, I, talked, I went to go see my grandma. She turned 84 years old this past Sunday. I missed it, the birthday party, because I was preaching at a church in Oklahoma. But I had to go, I had to be there. So the next Friday, my son and I, my sons and I and Pastor Liz, we went over and we went to go see her. And the reason why it was so important to see her is because uh, she's 84 and she's on hospice right now. 
So she's not gonna make it very long as, we're, as I'm preaching this. I know she's watching one of the services, but I don't know which one, but so I love you, Grandma Thelma. Um, she, uh, her right now, as I'm preaching this, her lungs are filling up with water, her heart's filling up with water. Um, her heart is filling up with water. I said that already. Yeah, she's just not in a good shape. And uh, we're trying to make it as peaceful as it is for her for her last moments. So I got to see her. And if you don't know what I just preached, you would look at her and you would go, what's the point? Oh, God, allow somebody to be wasting away like that. But I believe if you got a pulse, you got a purpose. <clears throat> so I went to my grandma. First thing I said to her was, Grandma, thank you. Because she pretty much raised me. If you're not in a Spanish family, you don't know. But a lot of our Spanish families, we didn't have moms or dads. I did. But a lot of us didn't. And we were raised by grandma, you know. And so grandma took care of us a lot. So I said, thank you, grandma, for loving me, for taking care of me. I got one favor to ask. She said, no, I can't do nothing for you. <laughs> She was talking like that because the water in her lungs. She said, I can't do nothing for you. I said, Grandma, I promise you can do this. She said, no, I can't. I said, Grandma. <laughs> she said, what? I said, you're here. I said, Grandma, will you pray for my children? Will you pray blessings over them before you go? Would you bless them? So I took her right hand and I put it over. She said, yeah, I'll do that. She put it on, on uh, Zane. She took her left hand. She put it on Justice. And what happened next, my hair stood up. Remember, she was speaking like this the whole time because water was filling up in her lungs. The moment she got her hands on them, that old Pentecostal stepped up. I don't know how she did it, but she said, Father, in the name of Jesus. She got to pray a prophetic blessing over these boys right now. I pray angels to protect them right now. I pray that you would guide them and lead them. Father, I pray ministry over their life right now. And then she said, this one's going to do this. And then she said, and this one's going to be a pastor. But I don't want to tell you who she said it over because I don't want you to put pressure on them. And so she said, and they're going to do that. And they're going to change the world. And they're going to make a difference. And God is not done. And it was like this fire came out of her. Because if you got a pulse. You got a purpose. I don't care if you're 80 and you got a bad back and you got a wheelchair and a cane. You better use the breath you got in your lungs to declare blessings over your grandchildren and over your community and over your world. I don't care what the doctors diagnosed you with. Cancer, leukemia, four weeks left, five months left. Use the time you have. Call down fire. Call down revival. You got purpose. You don't die until God is done with your life. Have confidence in that. Have rest in that. Rest in that. Stay standing. My boys left with angels. My boys left that room with angels surrounding them. Purpose on their life. A prophetic word in their heart that they'll remember for the rest of their life. I don't know how much more time grandma has, but you can't tell me she wasn't on this earth for that right there. For that right there. And if she's still there, she's still got purpose. I'm preaching about her today. If you're here, God's not done. You will not die with unfulfilled purpose. Don't be worried about going at any moment. It's not any moment, it's the moment. But until that moment, God has got you in his hands. And nobody can touch you. No disease, no madman, no tyrant, no one, no economy, no politician. No, no one can touch you. God says his time. I'm going to close with this. And then after she finished praying for the boys, you know what she said? She said, now can they pray for me? 
I said, yeah, Grandma, what do you want him to pray for? What do you think she prayed for, this old lady, 84 years old? Believer, sick, in some pain? If you're not a believer, if you don't know the story of Jesus, you would think that she prayed to be healed. Would you tell Justice to lay his hand on my knee? It hurts. Tell Zane to lay his hand on my lungs and my heart to clear out the water. She didn't pray to me. She said, I want him to pray. This is what she said. She said, when they pray for me, tell them to pray this, that I would go home soon. Because we Christians, we don't see death the same way everyone else sees death. Here's my final point. You overcome death by embracing death. We don't run from it because we know what's on the other side of it. We embrace it. Hebrews 2.14, by embracing death. By embrace, put it on the screen. By embracing death, taking it in, Jesus destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cowered through life, scared to death of death. Notice he didn't destroy death. That's not until the second coming. We'll talk about that in another sermon series. He destroyed the devil's hold on it because who holds something determines the purpose of it. What's the purpose of a door? Depends on who holds the keys. Imagine that these are the keys to my house. You don't have the keys to my house, do you? No. Rick, you ain't got the keys to my house. Because you don't have the keys to my house, you know what the purpose of my door is? Go ahead. To keep you out. Because they ain't your keys. But in my keys, what is, what is the purpose of the door for me? To let me in. It's all going to make sense in a second. Revelations chapter 1, verse 17 through 18. Another, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Tell your neighbor, don't be afraid. Look at what Jesus says. I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, but now look. I am alive forever and ever. And now, now I hold the keys of death and Hades. The devil held the keys for millennia. But 2,000 years ago, when he carried that cross, he went into that tomb. He went into hell. He looked at the devil. He said, I'll take that. Thank you very much. Now he got the keys. And so now, listen, where the devil used death as separation, now Christ uses death as an invitation into real life, into home, into heaven. Oh my gosh. And y'all, heaven, this next life, I don't know how else to describe it. I know you've been standing for a while, but I don't know how else to describe it. How do you describe to people who are living that they're not really living yet? If anybody can tell me that, then maybe I can describe to you what heaven is. Because I asked the Lord, Lord, give me some kind of metaphor, some kind of illustration. You're good with that. I got to tell them what it's like. And this is what I saw. It would be like telling a baby in the womb. You know, a baby in the womb is all dark. That baby's alive, amen? We believe that. That baby's alive. You know, that baby's in there. It's kicking. It's pulling. It's punching. It's elbowing. It's in there. It's brain. It's got function. It's heart is beating. It's it's lungs, right? With the well, not yet, because I got the umbilical cord. But it's eating and everything. That baby is alive. But how do you tell that baby that's alive in the womb? I know you don't understand this, but you're not actually really living yet, bro. 
follow the light. Get it? Because I know this, you know, every baby that comes out doesn't want to be out. You know that. That's why they're crying. <laughs> Get it back in there. It was warm. It's quiet. But how do you tell them? Hey, but on the other side of that light is actual real life. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. that This life you're living right now, it's not even life. I hope it sits. It's the womb preparing you for real life. Maybe that's why Paul said, Philippians 1.21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I said it like this. I said it like this and we'll pray. What we call death, heaven calls birth. I hope that freed you today. Death is a door. And on the other side, is real life. And that life was given to you by Jesus Christ, who paid the price so that you and I can have real life. Not just in this world, or I should just say, not just in this womb, but on the other side of it. This is prep, y'all. This is practice. This is pregame. The real thing is on the other side. I can't wait to see you there. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in the room today and you walk into this building afraid of death, afraid of what was on the other side, let me encourage you. Don't hold on to this world. It's got nothing for you. But on the other side of this world is the real world. It's real life. It's hope eternal where there is no tear. There is no sickness. There is no death. There is no more brokenheartedness. There is no more loneliness. The people you love, they're with you forever and ever. Trust in the hands of God. Trust that he's got a purpose on your life. Trust that he's not going to let you go. Trust that he has not released you. Trust that he loves you. And live your life. Live it to the fullest. Don't worry about how you're going to die, when you're going to die, how you're going to live, when you're going to start living. Choose today to live fully. And if you're in this room today, listen, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you the keys today. It's easy. All you got to do is receive him. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Believe. Believe that he died for you and for me to give you a home eternal. That's you, every head bowed, every eye closed. When I count to three, you're ready to give your life to Jesus and come home when it's time to come home. Let go of the fear of death behind you and accept eternal life. That's you on three, raise your right hand to the sky all over this building. One, two, three, right now. Shoot that right hand up high. If that's you, come on, if that's you, if that's you, if that's you, I see that hand. See that hand, brother, I see that hand, sister. I see that hand up in the back. Come on, come on home, come on home, don't be afraid. Come on home, come on home, come on home. Come on home, there's life eternal on the other side that hand raised right there. I see it. Amen. You can put your hand down. Journey Church, would you help me pray? Father God, I give you my life and I give you my death. My past, my present, and my future. Forgive me for my sin. I turn to you and away from my old self. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.